Welcome to the Hannah Miller Show. And here she is, Hannah Miller. Outspokenly conservative and unashamedly Christian, this is Hannah Miller. And thank you all for tuning in and welcome into my podcast. This is actually part two of a pre-recorded presentation on raising digital natives. And this week we're going to conclude the uh, series that we started last week, so it's just the two, and talking about how we as parents can respond to the technology that just inundates our children these days, and what are some practical helps and tips and things that we should know about how it's impacting our children, and how can we, we can respond to it, and how we should view technology in our homes and in the hands of our children. I hope you enjoy, and I look forward to being back with you all. So is it just the phone or in social media itself or social media itself that's causing the problem? It's not just the phone or social media, according to Gene Twing. It's the amount of time that young people are spending with it. As Twinge found in earlier research that she had done, the more time they spend, the greater the risk of depressive symptoms. Twinge says it's known from a body of research that in-person social contact is good for mental health. And boy, oh boy, did 2020 not prove that or what? We were sent home with only our devices and told we couldn't have any kind of social in contact or contact with one another in person. And what happened to our rates of depression, anxiety, suicide? They skyrocketed times nine skyrocketed. So this became, you just have to look at the world around you and realize that this is true. So she questions whether spending the same amount of time on Instagram and Snapchat or TikTok is just as beneficial and says it seems clear the answer is no. And just for reference, Pew Research says that 95% of teens have a smartphone or access to one and 45% of teens are online at a near constant basis with that number only going up. So while I generation is actually considered the physically safest generation of, in all of history because they're partying less, they're driving less, they're going out less because they're home on their devices, they're now facing a mental health crisis unlike we've ever seen. Not just to, because of cyberbullying and pornography and predators, which are the three things that we typically think of when we think of the dangers of the internet, but really more than all of those things because of the impact of social media and to a lesser degree video gaming and I'll mention a little bit we won't talk about video gaming today but there's a lot of social networking now connected with video gaming um, and that's continuing to advance and so that will continue to impact our boys which 97 percent of boys in the United States play video games the video game industry just as a side note has a higher income than the movie and music industries combined. I had no idea about that. So that just tells you how big of an industry that is. And while social media is definitely a little new, and psychologists and experts haven't don't have definitive information on all of this, you just have to look at the constant phone-to-face behavior of digital natives and iGen and even other, even adults who are older who have gotten stuck on social media to know that there's something addictive about the nature of social media and really technology. All of that to say, what would be my advice to parents? Only you can be proactive. 
Another failure of filters is that they primarily address porn and not cyberbullying or predators, and they definitely don't address anything that's going on on social media. There is a parental control monitoring app called Bark that is considered the best program, in my opinion, for proactively monitoring text messages, YouTube, emails, 30 plus different social media platforms. And they they protect against online predators, pornography, cyberbullying. They scan all of that information to make sure that your child's not receiving any kind of emails or text message or anything that would be harassment, et cetera. So that, that is an excellent program. It's about $5 to $14 per month, depending on what kind of program that you end up having to get. I also just... Uh, discovered something called Canopy, and that was literally this week uh, that I read about Canopy. It seems to be a good monitoring app as well, but I don't know very much about it at this point, but that may be something you would want to look into. And then uh, Covenant Eyes, that's a that's an accountability. We're all probably familiar with Covenant Eyes in this room. Um, it's primarily for pornography, though, and there's not really much for cyberbullying. I think it mostly works for still images and not video. Everything is video now, so it's not as effective. But they're continuing to make advancements with that. So, you know, I mean, if you're looking to rely on them, you have to have 17 to 77 of these things. So I suggest just getting them all. Um, <laughs> but despite these helpful tools, like I was just saying, don't rely solely on them. As the Oxford study revealed, relying on filters is not adequate. And as helpful as Bark and Canopy and all these others may be, they're still only tools in your parenting toolbox. God made you the parent, the gatekeeper of your home. Not filters, not monitoring apps. You are in charge of what comes into your home, whether through your front door, through your television, through the radio, through a video game, or through your child's smartphone. These tools I mentioned can be an asset, but ultimately you're the protector of your children. No one else and nothing else is a substitute for you, the parent, being present and engaged in your child's life and specific to this conversation, your child's smartphone activity. Hi, this is Bob of Bob Sloan Audio Productions. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Have you ever thought about doing a podcast yourself? Do you have a desire to communicate an idea, opinion, or even a hobby or interest you'd like to share with the world? And do you have the communication skill and dedication? If so, let's talk. Send an email and a short description of your idea to bob at bobsloan.com. That's bob at b-o-b-s-l-o-n-e dot com. Now let's get back to the podcast. So do I have suggestions for how parents can be proactive? One, I suggest waiting until at least 13 to get your child uh, any kind of device. And truly, they don't need one until they're driving within the normal parameters of family life. But um, I would suggest waiting until at least 13 if you cannot wait till they're driving. Look, your child should not be anywhere. There is not an adult there that they could use their cell phone to call you in case of an emergency. Otherwise, they don't need no phone. Phones are for an emergency. They're for a purpose. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a second. So if your family situation does demand that your child have a smartphone or a phone to contact you before this point, and it may be, I mean, we were, we love to ride horses. So we were gone, you know, who Lord knows where. And so mama, we would take a cell phone, you know, or your, your son might enjoy fishing. And you'd be like, well, I'd, I'd like to know, you know, that he didn't fall in the lake and drown. So you want him to have a cell phone um, while he goes down to the pond or, or whatever on your farm. There's a, there is a phone called Gab Wireless. 
and it has that's it's, it's Gab G A B B, and it has texting, calling, calendar, camera, and GPS tracking, and that's it. <laughs> you do not have. There's no internet access on it. There is no social media apps whatsoever. There's no video gaming uh, whatsoever. So none of that. But it looks like a smartphone. You know, it looks just like your iPhone kind of thing. So there's that. It's a useful tool. So that could be an option. But I'll forewarn you that I had a dumb phone that didn't even have some of those capabilities back in the day. And I could still get in some trouble with texting and calling. All right. So just be forewarned. Set boundaries. This would be point number two. Maybe you don't want them playing certain video games or maybe you don't want them on Snapchat or TikTok or whatever the social media app of the day is. No matter your reasoning, you as a parent should feel and are entitled to oversee your child's online habits. A good rule of thumb is if it's not out of bounds in the real world, say who their friends are, where they're at, who they're talking to, then it is certainly in bounds on the internet. What apps they're using, who they're chatting with, who they're talking to, or where they're talking to them. Don't let our culture convince you that it's out of bounds and that the world and the internet, that, that the real world and the internet world should be treated differently in that way. Look, you just have to look on the internet and, and try to look, to look, search for this topic. There are hundreds upon hundreds of articles talking about how out of line parents are if they try to monitor their child's phone. Or computer activity. I mean, I was just—I just did it yesterday. Just started looking it up. Hundred pages on Google, trying to tell you that you're spying on your children and you're way out of line and you're controlling. But this is what I would point to: Proverbs twenty-seven twenty-three, that says, "Know well the condition of your flocks, and give attention to your herds." Now. Don't go reading through your daughter's diary or snooping through your son's text messages willy-nilly unprovoked, all right? That's exasperating. And as parents, the Bible also tells us to not exasperate our children. But we should be attentive to the Holy Spirit's prompting, and we should know our children, our flock, well enough to know when something is off. For example, if your son has been a B and C student all his life and he's two months into the school year and he's still making B's and C's and he comes home one day and you tell him, I want to see all of your paperwork because I'll bet you're cheating. Well, on what grounds? He's still making B's and C's, mom. Nothing's changed. His behavior is all the same. And now that's what we call a false accusation. And in Exodus, God said in the Ten Commandments, do not falsely accuse your neighbor. Now you've violated one of the Ten Commandments, Mom, because guess what? Your child is your neighbor. <laughs> but if he's been a B and C student all his life and suddenly he's making straight A's and nothing in his behavior, in his study habits has changed, well, now maybe there's some grounds for just asking some leading questions. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Don't dive into these things unprovoked, but you as the parent should feel entitled to overlooking these things and seeing what's going on. Know the condition of your children so well. One of my favorite stories of my husband is from the first year that we were married. We were driving down the interstate in his old Ford Ranger when all of a sudden my husband looked over at me and he says, there's a tire, there's, there's a nail in my back left tire. And I just looked at him and I was like, we're going 75 miles an hour down the interstate with the windows down and a bucket of bolts. And you're trying to tell me that you can hear a nail in your back left tire? He was like, yeah. So he pulls over. There's a nail 
in his back left tire. <laughs> he felt it. He heard it because he knew his truck so well. And some of you guys are the exact same way. You know your cars, you know your pet, you know your garden. So the moment that little Fido misses a meal or sleeps a little long, your, your antenna goes up and you know, something's wrong with Fido. Or you go out to your garden and the leaves are starting to turn just a little bit. And you say, oh, do they need some water? Do they need some sun? Yet your daughter is exhausted all day and your son is no longer talking to his best friend, but you barely notice and you certainly haven't asked any questions or searched for any clues as to why their behavior has changed. Know your flock so that when the slightest change in, in their behavior occurs, your antenna goes up, your prayers for discernment increase, and you begin to listen for the Holy Spirit's guidance through the Word of God and your child's environment as to what could be influencing their behavior. Number three, prioritize sleep and minimize smartphone or device usage in the bedrooms. Smartphones, video games, TV, and essentially any blue screen, any kind of screen that would be considered a blue screen, usage near bedtime negatively impacts our sleep by decreasing uh, the amount of melatonin that our body produces. And of course, we all know melatonin is what's necessary for our bodies to calm down and cool down and allow us to go to sleep. When I've counseled parents and they're suddenly saying, my, my teenager is suddenly grumpy all day or they're never getting enough sleep, almost 90% of the time, it's because their child has a blue screen in their bedroom and their parent, they're using it during the night hours and their parents have no idea. Or they're watching late into the evening and their parents are aware, but they're not, they don't realize how much it impacts their child's ability to go to sleep. Furthermore, I strongly suggest disallowing smartphones in the bedrooms, but especially after eight in the evening. Nothing good happens on the internet or on smartphones or on any phone. Your, your child don't need a phone in their bedroom, even if it's hooked up to the wall. Okay, even if it's a landline, they don't need a phone in their bedroom because nothing good happens in secret and especially not in secret after dark. Darkness and privacy are a recipe for bad behavior, whether via the Internet, via sexting or through a myriad of other outlets. Do not make accommodations for sin in your home by allowing any kind of device, televisions, phones, iPads, computers, etc. to be taken into darkness and solitude where light and accountability are not welcome. Just as you would not allow a stranger from the street into your daughter's dark bedroom at two o'clock in the morning, do not accommodate electronic devices that can also be a portal for the same kinds of danger. Uh, I know one family that requires all electronic devices to be put in a basket as soon as they enter the home. So as soon as kids get home from school, they put them in a basket and they leave them there. They're only allowed to use them for approved activities, primarily homework, and only in the family room. The added benefit is that this helps kids to walk away from the school drama and bullying that can be occurring and now follows them home via social media to inundate them 24 hours a day. And then the next thing, number four, use a filter and a monitoring system. I mentioned that a little bit before. Be watchful, but also be transparent. Because I said so is sufficient for younger children, but be willing to have difficult conversations about why the boundaries are in place for your children as they mature. Help your children to understand you don't have these boundaries in place to limit them, but to protect them. And I, I like to use the word that those, are, those boundaries are there to protect them, as I said, 
And that these boundaries, I, I like to use the word commitments though. I think that's a good kind of, you know, words have meaning and um, commitments can be less abrasive to teenagers. <laughs> but we have those, they're set in place so that they are, so that as they mature, they become more and more equipped to use these tools. Also be attentive to the fact that as your child matures, if they demonstrate, if they demonstrate responsible behavior, you need to allow them more responsibility. Otherwise, again, you will exasperate your children and you will cause strain on your relationship. But that age may vary from child to child. There may be, you may have a 13-year-old that, you, you know, you, you would trust more than your 17-year-old with a smartphone. And that's why you need to think through in advance what your family's, uh, we'll call them technology commitments, are going to be. So you don't surprise your children along the way, but raise them to understand. And here's the thing. Raise them to understand that your family is handling technology differently than the world. And that's a big thing. We did dating differently in my house. But you know what? I knew we were going to do dating differently from the day I was born. <laughs> I mean, it just was, it was just a part of our family. It's just what we did. And so it was not this big shock when I got to be, you know, 15 or 16. And my parents suddenly said, well, just so you know, uh, we're not going to allow you to do what the dating of the world is. What are you talking about? You're not. So it wasn't a surprise. They had already thought about it in advance, made their decisions as a, as a couple. And so you and your husband need to make a decision on what your family, like I said, your technology commitments are going to be. Raise your children, understanding that these are the commitments as a family that we have made. Okay. And uh, use digital timeouts. Google's Family Link, Family Zone, and then Screen Time are apps that offer digital timeout services. And they will shut this, the device down on a schedule or at the whim of the parent. Uh, at any time, you can control it from your, your cell phone. And of course, there's multiple proverbs in scripture that point to moderation and the importance of moderation. And this can definitely be applied to our, our technology use as well. Teach your kids the fundamentals of digital citizenship. By default, if you train, train them in a Judeo-Christian worldview uh, to be kind, honest, and wise young people, uh, that typically will mean they're going to be good digital citizens. Um, but there are five elements of internet safety that we should teach our kids to be what I call good digital citizens. And that, and that term is, is, I didn't coin that phrase, but these are, oh, well, Google has a program called Be Internet Awesome. And these five points are kind of bouncing off of that, except that there are actually scriptures that go along with them, but Google doesn't admit that. So the first one is be sharp. Think before you share. Proverbs 18, 13 says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Number two, check for if it's real. Proverbs 26, 20 gives us the antidote for spreading rumors. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. We can break the telephone chain. So teach your children to embrace that proverb and make sure that whatever they're sharing or saying on the internet is actually true. Number three, secure and protect your stuff. Proverbs 12, 23 says, a prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. So secure, protect your stuff. Number four, be kind. Respect each other. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's an easy one. Outdo one another in showing honor, Romans 12, 10. 
And number five, brave. When in doubt, discuss. When I was growing up, my mama said, when in doubt, don't. Uh, for your younger children, that's what I would say. When in doubt, don't. Uh, for your older children, when in doubt, discuss. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Help your children to understand it's not you versus your child and the internet. It's you and your family, your child versus the internet. You and your children are a team in dealing with the internet and devices, and your child should feel free and comfortable to come to you with questions and doubts about things as they, that they encounter on the internet. A few things in closing. When determining how you will use technology, remember it's a tool and should be used intentionally. A powerful tool, such as a chainsaw or technology in young, inexperienced hands can wreak havoc and pain. And technology in idle hands breeds mischief. Use it for its purpose and then set it aside. We must raise our children with the right mindset about technology. It's a tool and we must reach certain levels of experience and maturity, impulse control, discernment, kindness, before we can use such power, such a powerful tool. And every tool should only be used for its intended purpose in the correct location. Chainsaws shouldn't be used for surgery, nor in a confined location. And social media shouldn't be used to find our sense of self-worth or in secrecy. Chainsaws aren't bad things. The internet is not a bad thing. How we use them can lead to bad things. An overarching principle we should have as believers regarding the technology in our homes is, is how I am using this God-honoring and redeeming the time. Then as human beings, but especially as believers, we should ask ourselves the question, is how I am using my technology providing shallow connections or building true community? We cannot allow ourselves to become so driven by productivity that we overlook human flourishing. Often we compromise human flourishing for productivity. And while God calls us to work hard in Proverbs 6, we must maintain that superseding that is God's directive toward fellowship and community. And again, more evident than ever this last year in 2020. Furthermore, kids have what's today what's called FOMO. You may know what that is. Fear of missing out. Raise your children to understand what Kevin DeYoung calls the biggest deception of the digital age. And this is the lie that we can be omnicompetent, omni-informed, and omnipresent. Look, we must choose our absence, our inability, and our ignorance, and we must choose wisely. Lastly, you're the parent. You're the God-ordained gatekeeper. Judiciously guard every point of entry into your home. Pray that God will place hedges of protection around your children and pray that everything they see, hear, think, and do is honorable unto the Lord. Thank you for listening to The Hannah Miller Show. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions. If you'd like to find out more about Hannah or to schedule her for a speaking event, go to her website, thehannahmillershow.com.